relief that 2022 is in the rear view mirror. There was the untimely death of my father and my gangster sister's health crisis and all of us getting COVID and we didn't die. I am here as a testimony to the survival and thriving. No excuses and no patience for pity parties. I'm going to be talking about how to glow up as a podcaster or not. Good black news and words of encouragement and shade if you stupid. What I'm reading, the Dallas Cowboys and other things, football and sports. Pop culture news, donkeys donking and side eye shenanigans. I like the part of the podcast where I talked about over 40 dating and other relationship issues. Quark's Bar, dedicated to podcasts, reality, TV recaps. Join me as I fuss and have a moment as I kick and stomp my way through the next iteration of my life. Join me for this rocking good time. And thank you for listening. think most people know exactly what goes into podcasting and I don't think they will. I can truly say that I am grateful for the opportunity to create a quality product as it were. And I think as I had to unceremoniously tell someone recently that 2,000 unique listeners per episode can't be wrong. I just have trouble taking critiques from someone that comes at me crazy. I just don't get it. I don't think... People understand how valuable my time is. So if I react weird or kind of caustically to an unsolicited opinion on a post on social media that has anything to do with my show, before you come at me crazy, you may want to like, step back for a minute and just realize how it can come off just because you have access to my phone number for now before you get blocked doesn't mean I have to answer phone calls or texts because I can leave you on red like Cardi B said it is not important to me to share my time with everyone because everyone can't inhabit my sphere or my space because I'm very protective of my peace. And if I suspect that you are going to disturb the peace, I'm more likely to block you or restrict access to me and my little dog. I'm all for only letting people in as much as I want them to let in. I don't have to be liked or have the, a positive opinion by everyone. It is very important 
to me to be in a mindset and to focus my energy like a uh, a monk, a Hindu monk does or a Buddhist monk does. Because it's really disconcerting and I find creativity is blocked when you got too many competing psychological things that kind of tug on you. I just want to give a warning, I guess to the rest of the world, I am needing to focus my positive energy in one direction. That is continuing to expand this podcast, getting to Florida for my first podcast festival to network and get my podcast on the lips of anyone that's willing to listen to it. I see this podcast being a bigger part of my chapter and I control the narrative. I don't need Karens or anybody else overstepping with their opinions, their slights, um, and their just overwhelming need to drag me from that focus. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to babysit anybody else at this age. I'm good. Fair warning. If you feel like you're ghosted or you feel like you on block or on red, you probably are because I just don't have time for the drama. I got way too much to do. My numbers are showing that I still have work to do and that's what will be my focus. And I don't really make an apology to that. You've been fair. You've been warned. Find the podcast. Get with the program. So. This part of the podcast is being recorded um, on Martin Luther King's birthday. I have the pleasure of being in a great space, meaning I love recording and I'm in the peace of my home. Um, and But I've had issues with some people trying to invade my peace, but I think I got that under control. Um, I've spent the better part of the weekend besides taking naps and not being attacked by my little dog um, as far as just (laughs) Trini Hurst trying to sneak food and me trying to keep her from getting colitis, but that's neither here nor there. But what I do have that I think that's important to the show or my show is that I have uh, signed up and I'm getting more involved with podcasts or pod fest, which is going to be in Orlando. I think it's the 25th or 24th of the 29th. Um, I got a free pass to the expo hall um, through my association with Podbeam. I'm hopeful I get to meet some of the people over there and and just collaborate and get other ideas from other podcasts because the parts of my show and how I produce the show currently, I've gotten these ideas from several of uh, other podcasters. Um, And I'm hopeful to be able to make those connections as I go forward. But I also have gotten, getting together my swag for the show. Um, If I get any interest, I hope to make it uh, available on the 
my blog store. I'm experimenting with having an actual um, microphone um, to enhance recording quality because what I've been told over and over again, um, that is necessary to increase um, the appeal of the show. If it if it sounds good, people will continue to come back. And that's what I want and what my um, goal is. But in this part of the show, I like to talk about, like the previous part, I talk about my glow up and what it takes to get the glow up and keep it going. But this is also good black news, I guess, and things in general. I have started an email campaign contacting different local companies and even national companies or international companies to see if they would like to become sponsors of my show or um, just have some advertisement on the show itself. Um, I only have one person that I really wanted for them to be a sponsor. That was Uncle Nearest. I think I drink enough of that to at least get them to consider being on my show. But it's all good in the hood. I'll keep trying back. Um, And who knows, they may actually come to me um, if I do my due diligence and and expand the show like I want it to. I don't think it's going to be as big, or maybe it is. Who knows? I'm not going to take out talk my blessing but like drink champs nori's um show in miami but at least it would be something um someone from tennessee actually having that type of pool to pull that type of sponsor i am going to speak that into the um the environment i'm glad for their surpassing 100 million in sales I did not, the backstory of Fawn Weaver um, is she was actually homeless for a minute. So for her to take this um, as one of the only black owned and female owned distilleries in the country is really big. So I celebrate that. I'll continue to celebrate that. Not gonna play or hate them just because they won't sponsor my show, but you know, again, they're lost. But anyways. And everybody great, like the great Alex Haley and Jackie Robinson and Eartha Kitt all had birthdays um, this month, um, in addition to the late, great Martin Luther King. I'm also reading, continuing to read Bevelations. And I'm going to reread this because she stated in her TED Talk, I'm a late bloomer. In fact, a friend of mine you may have heard of, Chris Watt, he once called me the most late-blooming mofo he ever met. Now, some people might consider that snide, but I revel in it. I'm 55, and I'm here in this curvy body as someone who has done work, living the life, walk the walk in these very high heels, and therefore is qualified to testify in church in the court of law that it does, in fact, get better later. And I also have I'm reading that's from her TED talk but the book itself I put last week that it seems like the book itself is just one um extended TED talk even though it seems like she did base some of her talk on some of the revelations she had in the book but it's really not it's more than that it's a story of survival 
Um, and it's somebody that has really truly has done the work um, and looked on the challenges as a chance to for something greater. She was truly, she had to become comfortable being uncomfortable because if you're going to chart your own course and grow, you have to be able to be, be able to sit in the uncomfortableness because you then know comfort is going to come later. But if you don't sit in that uncomfortableness, you never get used to being uncomfortable, then you're never, you're going to become stagnated. And that is the whole point of her story. That goes back to traveling. That goes back to uh, working hard and doing well in your job. But if it doesn't no longer, that no longer suits your needs, having the guts to move on to something else and not um, sucking it up and being miserable. Um, she's tried a lot of different things. And she, Beverly, she actually, she has given good word. She traveled and because she said it brought in her horizons and she you learn things about yourself that you would not have the chance if you just hug your own block or you never progress beyond your own neighborhood. I find that fascinating because I think if I was too scared or was too uncomfortable, even going to the school I originally went to, Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, if I didn't then was too scared to go to the University of Florida, because I could have stayed right at Eastern Virginia Medical School, but I don't think I would have had the same experiences and met the same different people and experienced a whole different world outside of Virginia if I hadn't taken that chance. I went down to Florida. I didn't have a support system down there. I didn't have an extension. There was no coming back to Virginia with my legs tucked, my tail tucked between my legs. That was never an option. So I see so many parallels in reading this book and it is actually a very good read. And the bevelation that I'm gonna leave you with today is being getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's the only way that you're going to grow and you're going to expand your horizons and just get out there and just do it. Don't be afraid. A little bit of fear is a good thing because it keeps you from making really stupid decisions. But at the same time, don't let the fear keep you from experiencing and just living. Good Lord, there's just so much to... Um, chat about and fuss about um, this week. But, ooh, I just realized that, number one, for this section, who I'm always giving a side eye to the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, and actually the defense, too, because all of y'all tripping. We don't play, um, who do we play tonight? Let me look back at this calendar. We play in a wild card, bar. we play the Bucks tonight. I'm still not as confident that we're going to be able to hold them off, but we'll see. Uh, we had a whole bunch of stupid forced uh, interceptions and forced, just forced errors um, in our game. And the same thing happened with the Bills and the Dolphins. You know, they were looking really good um, the first part of the quarter. Um, this is the Buffalo Bills, that is. But then they came Miami came back and came within three and it looks like the um the 
offense and defense basically held them scoreless the last quarter of the game because there was still a lot of game left when I was flipping back and forth. But then they went on. The Bills won their round 34-31 yesterday. And I'm wondering where they're going to end up and who they're going to end up playing um, because that was actually a really good game. Um, but as I, as I always said, I don't have a lot of faith if Dallas is going to hold it off together, if the coaching staff is going to be able to pull it together, this cohesiveness that they're going to need to be able to win against the Bucks, They're going to need some really inspirational music in order to be able to pull it off, I think. What about some chanting? I guess that's enough to keep me off the copyright infringement uh, nest for uh, YouTube, etc. But that was Archie Eversole. Um, that's what the Dallas Cowboys need to chant. Every time they go into battle, that is a football game. And this game is no different. We have to make it outside of this round of the playoffs. We got to advance into the round. We got to go back to the Super Bowl. This may just be our year, I'm not sure, but we got people like the Bills with tragedy that could have, that was prevented uh, with the injury of DeMar Hanlon. But we gotta come to that. We gotta come to that type of cohesiveness. We don't need that type of tragedy to propel us for, but we got to just be get ready and to be able to take this team. I have never in a very long time prayed that we at least get through this round, advance from the wild card, get into the actual playoffs and then keep it pushing. I would love to see the Cowboys back in the Super Bowl. That would be dope. And we are ready for y'all, no matter what. The more I read and completely enjoy this thread in Reddit about over 40 and dating and other observations, well, this is the part of my show, but my observations from the edge is this life, being middle-aged, can be difficult if you make it difficult. It doesn't really have to be, as long as you are equipped with the correct tools to be able to do things. And what I'm finding out more most often is relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. There has you have to have the tools to be able to deal with them effectively. Case in point, there is a thread in the current over 40 thread in Reddit where it says always okay often the side chick and why. 
And it says, I, 40-year-old female, have a pattern often being the side chick or back burner woman, second choice in dating. I consciously date men who are single and who seem emotionally intelligent. That's the key word right there, they seem. But you wouldn't know of their EI if they, until you actually talk to them or spend time with them. I agree with that. I'm not looking to be second best, but it often ends up this way, and I'm not sure if somehow I give off side chick vibes or if I'm just not being boundaried enough with choosing who I date and what I allow from men. I dress nicely. I think, hope that I'm attractive and good company, and it takes me a while to feel ready for physical intimacy, and yet this often happens with the men I date, putting me on the sidelines while they pursue other more serious options and I find this out much later. They don't usually already have a partner. It's more like they're looking for options they perceive to be better than me. Once a guy was dating told me, you don't understand. I'm looking for someone to spend my life with, which made me think, okay, why not me? So I'm wondering, especially to the hetero men of dating over 40, what makes you think of a person as not a serious option? Is there anything in particular? I would like to break this pattern. I asked a friend who is also an ex and he said that my age and independence might be factors. Or perhaps it's just how dating is these days with lots of people looking for shinier options. Thanks for any thoughts. Well, she put something out there, meaning boundaries, and you gotta basically tell people uh, how you want to be treated or teach them how you want to be treated and if they can't comply then you have to have the guts to walk away that is the same thing in friendships i know how i want to be treated i know what respect means for me and i'm not going to invite you into my inner circle or be a part of my life because not everybody needs to go where you have to go and i'm not going to tolerate from blood relatives or even people that I'm not, definitely not from nobody I'm related to, I need boundaries. And if you can't comply or you keep doing stupid shit, why am I gonna be with you? That is a mark of, secure, of uh, security and maturity. Not only knowing what, how you want to be treated and not taking less than that, and walking away or blocking a motherfucker that won't respect those boundaries. I'm okay with that. So as always, this thread, I find meaning in it because I can come up with my own response to it, but I also like to get other varying response. Some are funnier than others. Like it says, initial machine 3037, it says, so much wisdom here, thank you. Yeah, I really relate to some of this. I'm a bit unconventional in the way I live my life is too. I feel like I'm often treated as an interesting detour or adventure. However, it does also happen in friendship. I think I subconsciously put other people center stage and may be uncomfortable being the focus of attention too. And I often get cast as the woman who will be the therapist friend. One guy said I was the parenthesis in his dating life. I definitely need to do some boundaries work. Word. And then temperature tight. 465 says, just remember that you set the bar for how you will be treated in the talking dating phase. People rarely put in more effort than they do in the early days. So if you're accepting the bare minimum, that's exactly what you're going to get. So this question 
or the response to why the side chick and you're not the bride is because you accept very little from people. That may be your superpower, but if it also does set you up for people taking advantage of that. They were like, oh, she's not that serious. Just because she's independent, she can take care of herself. But they, but if you've never told them that you would like to be considered an option and what do you have to do, it's not becoming their doormat, but they need to respect your hustle and to say, well, and if they can't, if they don't even have the emotional intelligence to say just because somebody's independent doesn't mean that they, they you're probably the best option because it's easier to keep you because they don't have to put in so much work. That the lameness of that, somebody still looking for something while they're with you and they blaming you for being too independent is the worst form of gaslighting and it's hysterical but neither am I going to, but neither do you want to be the nursemaid or the free therapist nobody wants that any of that so setting up boundaries but it also goes back to knowing who you are knowing what you have to put in the game and then having the strength to walk away because some of this stuff is BS and it's, it's not tolerable um, at this age. What the problem is, y'all, I'm sitting here going through the headlines about just different headlines in general as I fight off my little dog because she wants to eat. That's her barking right now. Anyways, Ethel's a part of the show. I'm going to have to work out a speaking fee for her because she cries. But George Santos, why I'm making a donkey and reporting about him in this segment of pop culture news, etc. Because it's come out that the Republicans knew of the fict his fictional background all along in some of the highest circles they knew this mug was lying and they were okay with it because just like oh what's it Herschel Walker even though we knew he was a trash human being because he said he was a Republican that's all that matters so it's okay for you to lie about your family being holocaust survivors you didn't get the education from the schools that you went to and just because you lied about where you work it's okay as long as you are part of this party the fallacy in that is you recompound the lying and deceitfulness of any political party and it makes more people lean into become sovereign citizens and nobody trusting y'all ass so but i don't need to continue to read about this bullshit i already kind of figured out a lot of this stuff they wouldn't care if hitler be, was reincarnated as long as he says he's now a part of the republican party he's cool with it that's why all these other fascists headed by gets and all of them fools and the Congre um, congress are doing the exact same stuff they're so not democrat um not all for democracy they're for power and for fascism but as long as they're within the republican party you got a whole bunch of people that will bend over and kiss their ass and that to me is disgusting so I'm over this Santos stuff. They need to stop being uh, a headline and just be relegated to page six um, um, the, of, the, of the post. So there you go. And then I see, I'm looking at these pictures that Ye 
Kanye married a Kim K lookalike. This hoe is the pre uh, white girl, I'm um, transitioning back to white girl of Kim Kardashian because I have in the notes a side by side picture of her when she was leaning into her Armenian background. And she became the face of what people thought exotic, spicy white women should look like. It looks like Bianca Sensori, now West, is the exact image of her because a lot of people got butt, butt enhancements, got breast enhancement, got lip fillers to be able to look like her. And it looks like Yeezy looks like her. And she's one of the head of architecture at Yeezy. Oh, y'all are making me tired. And this is why all of you fools are going to continue to be in pop news and on my donkey list. Between the Republican Party and Ye and his shenanigans, I'll always have fodder for this part of the, the show. The Shade Bunch. The Shade Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. So that's what I get for coming up with and being so into reality TV. I have been watching almost nonstop. Uh, for the past, um, I guess you could say, several weeks, I've been really into and researching for my podcast, I, anyways, um, <clears throat> all talk about Real Housewives of Potomac and that whole franchise. So I think the shadiest host is that of Bingeworthy. Um, this guy basically is still talking crap about Portia Williams of Real Housewife of Atlanta fame. Just for those that don't really follow this franchise all that closely, Portia Williams was, uh, initially came on the show, I believe like second season or so. Man, she's been on it for a while because we are up to season 15, so she's been on the, in the franchise or involved with it for about 14 years. And I do recall she was in like her mid to late 20s. And she just turned 40 this year. But anyways, she came on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, and she was actually, I think, distantly acquainted with Phelan Gobadia, Guabadadia, I think it's what is that dude's name is. Um, I There is a scene, and I believe it's season 12, 11 or 12, where all of the girls go to um, their house because she was, Phelan was married to him at that time for a pool party. And he's basically, it's obvious he's an older guy. He's sitting on the side of the pool, enjoying the view, um, and they were acting like they, you know, had, they were just distantly related and associated with, through Phelan. Phelan had a couple of scenes where she turned up, she had a, a haunted house at her house. Um, and it was, it was the, 
outside was kind of tricked out and a part of the inside, but there was no food. So, you know, Candy's, Candy was, Burris was uh, annoyed, but it was a ripping war in good time. And he had, at that time, he admitted that this obviously young girl was like his fourth or fifth wife at that time. Fast forward to, I believe this year, he divorces her um, and then he and Portia become official. He buys her, I believe, a Rolls Royce. I don't know if it was for a birthday or as a wedding present or both, um, but they have this crazy uh, four dress wedding in Atlanta. All the who's who of the uh, Bravo's um, Real Housewife franchise were in attendance. Um, and I was wondering who was there and who really wasn't. And then I was like, well, do we really care? And then I'm like, well, yeah, I do. I'm just interested in finding out who actually attended this wedding. Let's see. Do, 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 do. It's a story. I'm still singing it. <laughs> so this is from actually the Daily Dish. And Portia, to be 40, she's a good-looking 40. Candace and um, Tucker were there. She looks stunning. Giselle Bryant, I don't understand her fashion choices. This is a pink or hot pink monstrosity. I like the fan, though. Even the fan is blinged out. That's deep. Candace Bassett is looking really... No, she ain't looking all that thin. She's looking pretty good. Cynthia Bailey, it looks like she's aging backwards. Um, I don't know who Quad Web is. Who is that, y'all? She has a million followers, but I'm not really sure who the hell she is. Shamia Morton. I don't know who that is either. And Monietta Shaw and Heath Carter. I know them because they went on the couple's trip to Jamaica um, this last past season. And he looks like he's a rip roaring good time. And Monietta um, is, uh, just seems like she's a nice and level-headed person. Who well, really wasn't there was Kenya Moore, um, the shade assassin herself. And the um, influence for me to uh, write that intro to this part of the podcast. You know, the whole wedding itself seems like a photo op, and I'm wondering how much they to get the rights to be able to showcase it. I wonder how much Bravo actually paid her. Um, they people are talking about they lost a lot of respect to this vapid chick Portia Williams but when did we ever have respect for her she was an airhead from the beginning a trophy wife that really didn't want to be trophy and Cordell wasn't about it okay and then she hooked up with her baby daddy Dennis who actually is the hot dog king of Atlanta had a real cute her girl little girl is really cute but they, her and Kenya fell out years ago. Um, and there's a bit shade right there. She actually, Kenya Moore is, was Miss America 1993. She and her husband, 
are still not divorced. Um, but she actually, she, her husband's Mark Daly. He's actually some rich dude, has a restaurant, really uh, profitable restaurant in at the time in New York. I don't know how COVID affected that. But she's on this new show with a whole bunch of other um, celebrities. Uh, and she's has a full face of makeup on and lashes, but she's hanging off the side of a cliff. I don't understand that at all. Um, and the bottom line is I just watched this week's episode. It's round in the corner. We're getting closer and closer to the um, reunion show, and I can't wait. I just hope they don't drag it out to four parts of nonsense like they did on the Learn TLC with 90 Day Fiance. Um And I am still kind of is big question mark about where a lot of these relationships have gone wrong. Right now, Giselle is still trying to remain relevant by uh, making up all this crazy stuff with Chris. And I'm watching this, this past episode where they started ganging up on Wendy early in um, the season. Um, Mia and her bad skin, um, and how nice Chris was to all of them. And he didn't have to be. He was never inappropriate. He was never creepy. So the idea of her saying all of, and carrying on all of these, uh, and the Muppets um, shenanigans, he wasn't making googly eyes in anybody. He only has googly eyes for his Barbie, black Barbie doll of a wife. He ain't checking for any of them hoes. So it is hysterical. But I also think the way they came at Wendy and the way they continue to come at Wendy, um, I wish they all, I think they all wish they had a part of the hood that was Monique Samuels because number one, Mia wouldn't have threw that drink and got away with it and come back and threw a purse at Wendy. It would have went all kinds of left. But what I also don't understand is she, Karen Huger now turning up on because this episode it was about Karen and um Cherise shaking the table and it just seems like a whole case of sour grapes where Cherise actually literally actually made it came out that to get all of these women together, it wasn't Karen's idea because Karen is a uh, attention whore. Sharice was established in Potomac and it looks, and it now appears that Karen Huger was chasing clout and the social climber. She wants to portray herself as the grand dame, but that is a self, uh, a self, uh, something self-proclaimed when act, in all actuality, Sharice actually was. I don't think she is any longer because she's since sold her house and now she's in bad wigs again. Her edges are jacked up, but that's neither here nor there. What I did notice is Karen can't understand or doesn't realize 
true sincerity and what politeness is because she knows for herself she has she doesn't she wouldn't do that she wouldn't be as gracious and kind as a true grand dam is because she is so cutthroat and is willing to do anything to get the clout and to establish herself and anyone that could possibly um break that facade she has it out for them and that's what it seems like her current beef and this ongoing beef with her and Sharice she basically takes a lot of things and she makes it up in her mind and she explodes it so she can treat her as horribly as she thinks that people she would treat people and she's okay she's running the campaign to solidify her reign as the grand dame when she knows good and hell well that she's not so she has to phys she has to completely destroy Sharice just to solidify her fictitious title and it's very it's really disconcerting and again i hope the checks that you're getting from bravo and your self-proclaimed title um, and you're stealing other people's ideas or expanding upon them is all worth it because I don't know. I just, this group of women, it's only the dirtiest and most vapid survive. And we can thank maybe Real Housewives of Atlanta for it. And there's only, seems like there's only one place for someone to be extremely successful at the top because everybody else falls by the wayside in a wave of crazy, unless they appear to be as grounded and don't really give a shit because they really aren't dependent on the checks from this show because they were already established, have talent, have a fan base, even prior to the show itself. So and I'm, again, I'm speaking of Candy Burris, but all of these other hoes, y'all need a lot of work because if it really, the shits really came down, none of you would be able to survive and are out, not known outside of these shows, which again is pretty sad. The people that are currently on all seem to be clout chasers for to me all seem to be willing to almost prostitute themselves with the exception of Wendy and Candace, but they keep running up against these thoughts. I don't know if they are going to be able to survive. I think they're going to have to potentially take a step back, explore their other interests, gather up their fan base to steal themselves against the thuggery and the soul wrenching, soul crushing, um, uh, theater that is reality TV and this um, Bravo-based Real Housewife platform. I think they need to think about what's more important. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. 
And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.